The reading this morning is taken from Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 8, verses 1 to 4. Romans, chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Good morning, folks. I'm a bit like buses, aren't I? You don't see me for weeks and then I pop up two weeks on the trot. Well, that's because I'm just back from a few weeks of holiday. And I don't know about you, but a really good, refreshing holiday always makes me feel optimistic about the future. I come back feeling that everything is going to be different this time. I'm just going to jump out of bed in the morning feeling raring to go. I'm going to be super self-disciplined and get myself in shape finally. I'm not going to get ratty with the family when I'm feeling stressed anymore. I'm not going to give in to gluttony and vanity and cynicism and sloth. I'm going to love the Lord and fight sin and not end up feeling like I'm losing at life by the time the next holiday rolls round again. Ever felt like that? Maybe at New Year, if you're the resolutions-making kind of person. Or maybe at the start of this new academic year. Or maybe you felt like that when you've got to rock bottom in your battle with sin and you know that the only way is up. Well, if you can relate to any of that at all, you will know that that optimism soon starts to run dry because Big Ben striking midnight or the schools going back again doesn't rid us of human weakness, does it? It takes a lot more than a holiday and and fresh resolve to beat our human sinfulness and selfishness. And folks, as we start this new series in the wonderful Bible chapter, Romans 8, this morning, that's the picture that the Apostle Paul has been painting for us in the previous chapter. As in Romans 7, he has been talking about the law God gave his Old Testament people. And he's been telling us what God's law can and cannot do. So on the one hand, it can tell us what is right and wrong in God's eyes. But on the other hand, it can't enable us to do what is right. Because for sinful people, being told what we ought to do doesn't give us the power to do it. So we don't want to sin. I hope we don't want to sin. But sinful desires are still knocking around inside us like unwanted squatters that we want to evict. And as Paul cries out at the end of chapter 7, Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? He makes it clear that we're going to have to live with this internal battle with sin until Jesus returns. Which begs the question, doesn't it? Well, how are we supposed to handle it in the meantime? Well, Paul's answer to that question is 
Romans 8. And the first thing that he wants to say to us from it is, know that God will never condemn you. That's Romans 8 verse 1, isn't it? There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. For who? What does it say there? For those who are in Christ. That's a parrot phrase. Uh, Paul keeps saying in his letters, 160 times in his 13 letters, he says, why? Well, because he knows that we have got to get this, what, what in Christ means. If you're just looking into the Christian faith this morning, then it is absolutely central to your understanding of what a Christian actually is. And if you are a Christian, then it's absolutely central to your understanding of who you are, of your identity as a Christian, to know that you are in Christ. Now, I'm recording this on Thursday, and I'm seriously hoping by the time you watch this on Sunday morning that we will have had an example of what this in Christ business means. For Scotland are playing Israel at football tomorrow evening. And in my foolish, stupid optimism, I am seriously expecting them to win. But let's just say they do. That would mean that you could walk into any pub in Glasgow over this weekend and approach any fella there and ask him, how did Scotland do in the football on Friday night? And he would say, we won. And you'd then be able to say to him, we? Were you playing? You're 62. You're 30 stone. If you saw pigskin, you would probably eat it, not kick it. What do you mean we? I know we're desperate for players, but seriously? Okay. But you know what he means there, don't you? You would probably say exactly the same thing about your team, I'm sure. He's saying we because being Scottish, he is in Scotland. So when they win, he wins. When they take a beating, he takes a beating. Because whatever those 11 blokes do on the park, they do for him, for the people of Scotland. And it's similar when we put our faith in Christ. Whatever he does, he does for us. Whatever he achieves, he achieves for us. Living a perfect life, dying on the cross for our sin. Whatever happens to him has happened to us. He wins, we win. He rises, we rise. He dies, we die. And so if you believe in him and you trust in him, you'll be united to him, you'll be in him. And so, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But, if you've been a Christian, if you've been trying to live in Christ for any length of time, you will know that we don't always feel free of condemnation. Even as Christians, all of us still wrestle with sin and walk under the guilt of it. Maybe that's sins that we have committed, that we did commit before we came to Christ. Maybe that's sins we have committed this week. Maybe that's sins we commit every week. And the more that happens and goes on, the more inexcusable we find that. So that when we 
come to confess our sin and ask the Lord for forgiveness like we did earlier on in this service, we'll probably in all likelihood condemn ourselves and, and tell ourselves that, that, that God shouldn't forgive our sins. And Satan will certainly condemn us and tell us that God won't forgive. But the one person who won't condemn us, who will never condemn us, is God. Because look again at Romans 8 verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. In other words, now, this very moment, God is not looking at you the way you are probably looking at yourself. Yes, he, he is grieved and disappointed by your sin. But if we are in Christ, he is not condemning us for our sin. And he never will. I remember one well-known Christian leader saying this. He said, as a father, I've sometimes been, been so provoked by my children and angry at their behavior, I could have shaken them. I could have, but I didn't. I could have shaken them. But I don't think I've ever stopped loving them. And the point here is that if a human father can say that, how much more can our heavenly father say it? And he can say it because of what he sent his son to do on the cross. So look down at verse 1 again and we'll read on. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. So the law of sin and death is basically that for my sin, I deserve to die. So one day, I, like us all, will stand before God at the end of my life. I'll stand before him, the just and fair judge of all people, and he should at that point condemn me for all that I have done wrong. The Bible does not leave us in any kind of uncertainty about that. It's not like the Harry Maguire trial that happened a few weeks ago on the Greek island of Mykonos, where we looked at it from afar and went, did he do it? Or didn't he? Is he guilty? Or isn't he? No, we are banged to rights. There is an open and shut case against us. We're without excuse, as Paul says earlier on in the book of Romans, with no grounds for appeal. The law, the rules of sin and death, mean that there should be only condemnation for sinful humanity like us. But, incredibly, Jesus has now set me free from that fate. As we read on in verse 3, For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do, by sending his Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. Those last six words there. That's what happened when Jesus died. That's the cross in six words. He, that is God, God the Father, condemned sin 
That's our sin. In the flesh, that's Jesus' body on the cross. How can we reassure ourselves that, in fact, verse 1, that there is now no condemnation is, in fact, for us? Because the condemnation for all my sins, past sins, present sins, future sins too, fell once and for all on Jesus as he stood on the cross in my place so that God will never condemn me for them. Folks, I think that is one of the hardest things in all the Christian life to believe. Because who else treats us like that? No one. All around us, there are voices condemning everything and anything in us and in others. But Romans 8 verse 1 says, there is how much condemnation hanging over our head now? Some? A little? No, none. So believe this. Memorize it. Get it stuck in your head. Uh, write it and up and put it on your fridge like Ben Pryde likes to do. Or, or put it somewhere else that so you'll be able to see it. Because nothing will do your spiritual sanity more good than to know that God will never condemn you. Here's the second thing that Paul says to struggling Christians. And you know, if you're wondering who that is, I think that's all Christians. And so Paul says, secondly to us, know that the Spirit has set you free. That's in verse 2, isn't it? For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Now, in these verses, it's been clear that Paul has been saying that because of what Jesus did on the cross, we have been freed from the penalty of sin. But here in verse 2, we're being told that because of that, God's Spirit has also set us free from the power of sin. You see that there, don't you? The Spirit of life has set you free. Now, you might say to me, well, hang on, Ken, hang on. I get the whole no condemnation bit. I know I'm forgiven, but I still have this real sense of get off with sin. Get off me. Get off me. I feel enslaved to it. Does that mean that I haven't been set free by the Spirit? Well, no. I think we have a misunderstanding about what freedom feels like. So think with me, if you're a Christian, from the time before you were a Christian. That might be a lot harder to remember for some of you than others. But back then you were enslaved to sin. Paul makes that clear later on in Romans 8, in verse 7. We were enslaved to sin. We, we couldn't help but do anything else but sin. We didn't want to. So if we, if we wanted to get drunk, we got drunk. If we wanted to lie, we, want, we, we lied. If we wanted to lust, we lusted. If we wanted to be materialistic, then we just indulged ourselves. And there was little to nothing that made us think or, or, or want to act differently. There was no real battle inside of us against sin. But then, when we turn to Christ, what is it that, that happened? God's powerful spirit came in, into us. And, and then what happens? Well, instantly there's conflict. Because my old self, my old sinful self, wants to lust, but 
God's Spirit wants to lead me in paths of purity. My, my old self wants to lie, but the Spirit wants to get me to tell the truth. My old self wants to cover and pursue materialism, but the Spirit wants to encourage me to give and store up treasure in heaven. Do you see? There's this war now being waged within me. Now, conflict is never pleasant. It never feels good, especially if it's internal. But that war, that internal battle is freedom. Freedom while in this mortal body is freedom to fight, freedom to choose to walk into war, freedom to make those choices necessary to to, to battle against sin. Because there is now a new desire, a, a new power that is pushing you to do what you would never would have desired to do before. You're, you're no longer a, a prisoner of sin, bound in chains, unable to do anything to fight. But you are released by the Spirit, liberated to be a foot soldier and engage in the battle. That is true freedom. And And so I want to say this morning, if you're feeling enslaved by sin, by your old sinful nature, I want to encourage you that that is a great sign that the Spirit is actually at work in your life. If you feel that battle going on within you. And the Spirit longs for you to look to the cross and and say, here is the place where Jesus has won my freedom. And he placed his Spirit in my heart. And so I want to use all of the Spirit's tools, all of the Spirit's power to fight. Now, as we think about doing that, I'm, I'm sure a, a second feeling comes up and, and overwhelms us. It's not so much I feel enslaved, but I feel weak. I was listening to a really interesting debate on Radio 5 Live a little while back where they were talking about whether women's tennis should move from playing three sets to to playing five sets like the men do. And interviewed an old champion who had won lots of titles in the women's game back in the day. And she said, you know, we tried this 20 odd years ago and I played a five set match and I went two sets down and I could have still won. I could have won three, two. But, you know, at the end of that second set, my body said to me, you can't last five sets. And so she said, I gave up and lost a third set, 6-0, because I knew I didn't have the power, the ability, the energy to fight. Now, I've got to say, I've seen lots of men in the men's game do exactly that when I've been watching the tennis in the summer at Wimbledon. But... Doesn't it feel like that to us when we're in the heat of temptation? It feels like we can't last five sets. It it feels like sin can always last longer, go further. I I know what I want to do, but, but I don't have the ability, the energy. I don't have the power to live it out. What Paul wants to say to us this morning from Romans 8, verses 3 and 4, he wants to say, God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own son 
in the likeness of sinful flesh for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Now hang in there, folks. The logic here goes something like this. The law plus my sinful nature is powerless. We are so weak that we render even God's law powerless to help us. But Jesus, in the likeness of sinful man, is able to break the power of sin. And God does that by condemning sin through him. He condemned sin. Do you get what that means? It it means that the very thing that would condemn me, that would make me feel weak, he condemns. The very thing that would bring me to my knees, he brings it to its knees. The very thing that feels like it's going to make an end of me, he brings an end of it. We often think, don't we, that sin is is all-powerful? It is not. It's being condemned. We think that sin can easily go five sets. It can't. It's been defeated. It's been triumphed over and mortally injured by Jesus on the cross. He has dealt with the penalty for sin there. But he has also broken the power of sin. And so whatever happens this term, this week, this very day, don't give up. Don't give up the fight against sin. Even if you feel weak, even if you feel enslaved, even if you feel like you are always losing, don't give up. If you are in Christ, you've won. He died, you died. He rose, you rose. He wins, you win. And so you will never be condemned by God for your sin. And you shouldn't really be condemned by anyone else for it either. And you have the power of the spirit of life in you to fight a defeated, weakened, broken enemy. Or as verse 4 puts it, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. What does it look like? To walk by the Spirit. Well, I'm glad you've asked me that question because that's what we're going to be looking at next week. We're going to be answering that question as we pick up again in Romans 8 from verse 5. But for now, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for us so that we can rededicate ourselves to fight this good fight at the start of a new term. Let me pray for us now. Oh, Father God, as one of your servants from many years ago once said, I'm not what I should be. I'm not what I want to be. I'm not what I one day will be in glory. But by your grace, I thank you that I am not what I once was. 
And so, Father, we want to say to you this morning, thank you that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And we want to say thank you for the liberating power of your Spirit who helps us, who is in us and helps us walk in love and obedience to you. That's how we want to walk, Father. So help us this day, this week, this term, this year, to keep in step with your Spirit and walk always in your ways. Amen. Well, if you know your hymns, you'll know that there is only one hymn that we can sing in response to what we've looked at here. And if you don't, then why not pay careful attention to the words and look there for echoes of Romans 8. Let's stand and sing.